On this week's show, I got to speak with Aoife Concanon of the Improvised Music Company in Dublin. Aoife works as creative producer at IMC, who are a not-for-profit development resource for Irish musicians and a major promoter of jazz and improvised music. Aoife has spent 15 years promoting and producing creative events in a range of different art forms, but specifically in jazz, experimental and world music. Aoife has gained experience in many different areas for a variety of theatre and film production companies and in roles and experiences for festivals such as Edinburgh Fringe, Bram Stoker and the Zanzibar International Film Festival. Aoife's role involves developing ideas, programming festivals and marketing artist-focused projects which help to promote experimental musicians throughout Ireland. So let's see how we got on. Aoife. Hi. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Let's have a chat about the um, the recovery plan from the National Arts Council. I don't know if you know much about it yourself, but I've been looking into it. Um, I don't really know how the arts, you know, culture will survive without uh, additional funding. Have you looked into it much yourself? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on. Um, a lot, it's like seems to be changing every day or evolving as much as the whole COVID-19 situation was kind of constantly changing. Like you just release one plan and then it changes the next week. So um, obviously the Arts Council initial response to the whole crisis was not great. <laughs> one million invested um, yeah. compared to other countries like that are the same size, you know, like population wise, like Finland or whatever that we're getting, you know, 20 million or 50 million or that sort of thing. Okay. So um, I think it's maybe just, uh, there's a bit of ignorance probably about understanding of what the arts sector is beyond the artists. You know, obviously the artists are integral to it, but then there's a whole lot of other people like myself and yourself who are working in the arts, but aren't getting grants or to, to create a, an artistic project. But it's like the, the structure that makes it all happen. Um, and all the people working in, in venues as and well as the people who work freelance, which is a lot of people work in the arts, work freelance just on festivals and events, um, which is a thriving industry, but it's all just falling apart now. Um, yep. So the NCFA have been great, National Campaign for the Arts. Um, they've done like really good work and really achieved good things, actually. And we're very lucky to have them because it's easy in this sort of scenario um, if you take your foot off the gas that you'd be left behind because everybody is obviously panicking and clambering and worrying about, you know, not just right now, whenever the, the pandemic on unemployment benefit is available, even though at first it wasn't available to all artists and that was an issue. But in six months time, when we don't really know what's ahead of us, but it probably isn't going to be great yeah. <laughs> for any sector. So particularly for the arts, which will be the one that will take the longest to recover and um, like the events industry will take the longest just Absolutely. the nature of it being for large groups of people and you know quite intimate so yeah i know i know there was um there was a 13 it's like a 13 point plan or something i think it was released last week yeah uh, i had a brief read through it but i don't know if you know if any has anything been signed off just yet i think over in the uk um like were they given they were given something like two and a half million pounds and that ran out in five days. I just don't think the government really understood over there either, you know? No, I think um, that's the problem whenever you don't have 
Education Minister for Culture, um, mm. like the understanding the impact of the economy, but also the social impact or the social benefits. And I felt like the Irish government have, have been starting to see the benefits of, of the arts and festivals and events for society and that they've been funding a lot more participatory stuff, mm. such as like, you know, the, um, the Dublin Culture Company, company the DCCCC, which is very much about community engagement. There's so a lot of projects at the moment, you know, social inclusion, all these sort of things that... Um, they're now funding, they released a uh, social inclusion and diversity policy last year, the Arts Council. So they're understanding that it's a really good way of connecting communities and keeping people feeling good and happy. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just good for society to have some sort of engagement like that. Yeah. But at the same time, I think there's maybe a lack of appreciation of uh, the living expenses or the costs because there's a bit of a cliche of being the starving artist maybe, or because people are very creative and used to making do or like you know finding a way to make it happen which is the nature of being in the creative industry mm -hmm. um then that can be exploited a little bit you know that uh, even though everyone's very good at coming up with ways to make it happen like is borrow this or whatever improvise on this thing um it's a bit disrespectful to not appreciate and kind of properly fund it you know yeah other, other industries just wouldn't happen but I think because there's such a personal passion behind like arts and music, people are kind of willing to do the work even if they don't get paid, uh, which is unfortunate then whenever that's exploited, you know. Yeah, which it really shouldn't be the case, you know, if you're going out of your way to work for anything, whether it's to entertain people or no, you know, offer services, yeah, everybody's deserves to, to earn their own book, you know. Absolutely. And the benefit to like say the tourism economy, which like the huge part of the tourism economy is based on arts and culture. Mm. Like people don't come to Ireland for the weather. Okay, they come for nature, um, but they come for a lot of it is is the culture and, and music and the festivals and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And all that stuff takes like blood, sweat and tears to make. Um, so, it, you know, it might be great that you have a great weekend, you know, experiencing this thing that you're often you're getting for free or whatever, but like the people who are behind it, put months or years of work into it uh, yeah. uh, which has been the hard part for the last few months because a lot of people have you know they're about to go on tour or they were like uh, ready to go with their festival or their theater project and then it's all just stopped mm. and that could be like years of work so you yeah, said it's been hard on everybody in that way i mean it's been hard on everybody like in the whole course, world yeah of course but, yeah, yeah. We're, we're not the only ones but um you said uh, you the imc the improvised music company that you work with um they're government supported, is that right? Yes, they get uh, annual funding from the Arts Council. Okay. Um, so it's annually funded uh, promoter uh, of jazz and improvised music and world mm -hmm. music and a resource for musicians. So it's kind of helping to develop the scene and develop the careers of musicians and work kind of directly with people as well, as well as putting on gigs and festivals and kind of representing the Irish jazz scene. Okay, and like, how how long do you reckon they could last without a injection from the government? Well, so IMC have been funded. So IMC started in nineteen ninety one. Was mm -hmm. set up by a bunch of musicians, um, basically to have a bit of a structure uh, of of promoting gigs and kind of organising themselves. And um, I think in the late nineties they first got funding. So it's been annually funded now for. I'm not sure exactly, but at least 15 years. So it's pretty okay. well established as in that way. So in that way, it feels secure. It survived the recession, 
you know, okay. obviously funding was massively cut. Uh, like it had been, I think five people went down to three people, one of them part-time working on it. You know, loads of things just had to fall by the wayside, but it did, did survive. Um, so because it's annually funded, the annual funding for 2020 is still there, but all the plans have had to change. And now we're looking at essentially not having any income. So normally, even though we're not for profit, um, we're not for loss either. So yeah. we're supposed to kind of break even. That even you know, we obviously spend a lot of money on artist fees and you know, booking venues and wages and all that sort of stuff. But we also make box office income, um, yeah. which we haven't done now since the beginning of March, and we probably won't. We probably just, for the rest of the year, really. Yeah, really. Uh, unless you know, unless there was in a profitable way, you probably like I can't see it happening because you know the way it works is by numbers you know you sell tickets and you the more numbers you have the you know the more income you're going to make so yeah. it's just not gonna... like we haven't tried and, and nobody in ireland really that i know of has tried monetizing um gigs as in charging to join an online uh, gig okay. um and so we have we've like we did a whole we finished a series already of, of online gigs called piece by piece which is over eight weeks um which was actually fantastic um and really, really enjoyable and really good quality as well. Okay. But um, but that was free. Where um, did you Where did you uh, publish that? So that was um, basically what it was is a it's like kind of a musical chain letter of okay. improvising musicians. So every week, um, the artist would be essentially in, inspired by the previous week's musician. Okay. So they take the inspiration of that piece of music to make their own piece of music. Okay. So they were all composing new pieces of music that were basically between twenty and thirty minutes long but it was like kind of dipping into each other's uh, compositions. Right, right. right. Uh, and then they made little kind of videos to go along with it. Some of which was very simple of just them in their home, some of which was quite artistic or like them in their two kilometre radius or their five kilometre radius. Um, but they were released, they're premiered every Friday night at eight o'clock. Okay. So we kind of had a, like a, you know, a live YouTube chat where people could tune in, like kind of like being at a gig or as close as you could get to being at a gig. Where yeah, you could yeah. Interact a little bit about music. Um, and on Facebook as well. So that was uh, in association with Triscoll Arts Centre in Cork. So they hosted it on Facebook and we hosted it on YouTube and we also shared it on Instagram as well. Okay. And was the feedback good or yeah, the what would you say? Was great. I mean, the feedback was especially good by the musicians um, because I think there was a lot of pressure on musicians to just do a gig at home or, you know, th- their whole income and everything, mm. you know, just sort of disappeared overnight. Um, I think as well, I was speaking to a fella, uh, Rory Kelly is his name. He has a company up north, there's a promotional company up north. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me that, you know, he's been doing some of these, like, say, acoustic sessions with some of the artists. Um, but it's really difficult, I suppose, for them, for them to actually perform to their, you know, their max capacity because of yeah. the, the atmosphere, like a crowd would generate. And, you know, yeah. so I'd, I'd be interested to hear how how these, art, these artists felt sharing your piece-by-piece sessions. Well, this is why we kind of did it differently because it just, I felt like it's, you know, and it's great that people were getting online and, and doing little gigs from their bedrooms or whatever, mm. but it's like, I don't want to diminish how good it is in real life. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, because also, not everybody's going to be set up with, you know, no, not AV equipment or studio yeah. quality acoustics or anything like this. So that's a whole other stress be, as well. You know, yeah, you don't want playing. the wrong picture being portrayed either. Yeah. So I feel like there is a bit of a rush to do that and then it kind of backed off. So with this 
we said, okay, we won't, we won't live stream it. Um, it's, you record it, but we'll premiere it. So it's like, it's like a live event, but to take the pressure off, um, that sort of live stream thing. So it also kind of allowed that they could, because we said we don't really want a video, even though if you want to just do a video of you to the camera playing your instrument, whatever, that's fine. But you kind of have free scope to get a bit more creative with it, mm. um, whatever that might be. Um, right. So everyone kind of did, and it ended up kind of being a little bit of a visual art project as well, which I think was a challenge for them that they all seemed to actually get into and enjoy. Um, but because it was pre-recorded, they could do a few takes. Um, and also because it was like a community thing, because it was like, so the, all the artists were very supportive of each other and also kind of excited, you know, if you were artist number seven and you're kind of watching it coming towards you and you're seeing what everybody else is doing, it's kind of building as to the inspiration that you're getting for what your piece is going to be. Um, okay, so this, when you say it was a, a music chain, so this all happened, this wasn't like a day-by-day day thing, whereas you, you would do your piece, you know, yesterday and I take up from... Take no, so it was, it was we, done we live every week um okay. but like we basically probably give them about 10 days a week or 10 days to get the recording of the previous artists so that before it had been released we would give it to them a few days earlier okay and then they could start working on it but they could also take inspiration from other people before them before that so by towards the end of it some people were kind of dipping into like three or four of the previous artists' music and using little samples and that sort of thing. Um, So it's like, it was a real like slow collaboration. (laughs) (laughs) They're still creating their own music, but it's like there's little hints and touches at the previous work. So it's probably something that we never would have done. Well, we definitely would never have done it as a video in in normal times um, because, but it is even something that in a live way would be great, you know? Yeah, I think Um, it would work. Sounds really good. But yeah, and the audience seemed to like it as well because it was like that a bit different um, and also because it was uh, a series so that you kind of became curious as to, well, what's the next person going to do, you know? Um, so with your, your yeah. other festivals, I know that the, like as, I, as much as you promote jazz uh, through the IMC, um, there's also three or four festivals that you use, host and promote every year. Isn't that right? Spectrum, 12 points, hotter than July. Is there anything yeah. I'm missing there? Um, well, that's kind of it, mainly. Sometimes we, like we had Down with Jazz Festival for years, but that hasn't run now for the last few years. And that was kind of pretty, pretty straight up jazz, Irish jazz festival. Okay. Um, but currently we would have, uh, yeah, hotter than July, 12 points and Spectrum. But um, I mean, hotter than July is happening, but it not in its normal thing. So that's in July. Uh, it's with uh, Dublin City Council, and that's a world music festival. Um, and then Twelve Points is is a jazz improvised creative music festival, but it's um, pan European. So it's twelve emerging acts from twelve different European countries, um, and they're all kind of young artists. Um, and it's basically picking the kind of next next big thing from each country okay. um, and putting them all together. So for a lot of the bands, it's their first time playing outside of their own country. And that's a very much a European project that we kind of, every second year it's in Dublin and every second year it's in another, another European city. Um, and that, unfortunately, we're just announcing today. So by the time this goes out, <laughs> that it's going to be cancelled. It was supposed oh, no. to be at the end of September in the Sugar Club in Dublin, back home. Oh, and no. it's just not feasible. Like, yeah. 
it not only is it a, a festival travel, but obviously four nights, but all the travel. Well. Like mm. we can't be bring responsibly bringing people from all over Europe into Ireland in September. Plus quarantines and all this sort of stuff is just could happen. Yeah. So how are you planning to? Um, I suppose how how is hotter than July going to happen? Are you is anything different, or is it just going to be is going to be online? Yeah, I mean, so it has to be online. Um, I'm kind of I'm working on that at the moment. We almost finished the program, um, and we'll be releasing it next week. Oh, cool. It has to. I mean, like we had some ideas of uh, some sort of like pop up like little experiences. It's 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 based in usually Smithfield Square, so kind of Dublin Seven, Dublin One, inner, North Inner City, and kind of. Uh, being something to benefit the local community. It's a free festival. It's mm-hmm. family friendly, all this sort of stuff. So we normally get great audiences locally as well as people who are just into the music. Um, so we were thinking of maybe doing a few pop-up things like in some squares or, you know, normally the festival opens with a procession of some sort, like a samba procession, you know, where the samba band will kind of walk through the streets and then that's how they kick, we kick off the festival every year. So we're thinking, oh, maybe we could do that, you know, as a map out a little route around you know, stony batter or something. Um, but unfortunately, it just can't happen because, well, Dublin City Council are our partners and yeah. they're great and they're really supportive of making something happen, but they can't, they have to be responsible just in case a crowd congregated or I don't know. And, you know. Yeah, yeah. So they were like, look, we want to make it happen, but it has to just be online. So okay. again, we've been trying to kind of do something a little bit creative with it. And um, we decided that we do want to have... Um, a music program, uh, but it becomes it becomes a TV production, which is a whole other element and budgetary thing that we normally don't have to consider. Because mm. um, normally we might get a, a videographer in just to get kind of the vibe of the day. But you know, we want if we're going to be putting it out, that even the, our expectation of quality has changed since March. Mm. So now we want it to be really high production values. And if we're going to get the musicians together, so now you know bands can meet, which is brilliant. Um, so we're going to basically release, and also then we were wondering, should we like like that live stream or record a whole session, or should we just um, record a few tunes and release some like music videos? Um, but basically, we are going to have yeah four acts doing four, two tunes each, in okay. uh, different spaces, but get a really good quality video and audio. Yeah. Then we're also going to do um, a number of workshops and kind of participatory um, projects. Yeah, um, there's a lot of good studios and stuff appearing. Yeah. Since this pandemic, there's um the guy I don't know if you know the guys in Event Field have currently rebranded oh, yeah. their to fuel. Yeah. But um it sounds like they'd have a perfect spot for you for you to try some of that if you haven't sorted already. But well actually we've I've already booked it in, but we're gonna go to Camden Recording Studio on Camden Street. Okay. Um because they I suppose we have a we know them for a long time. They're jazz musicians as well, mm. so we kind of have a long standing relationship, even though this is not jazz, but the music is often quite related. Yeah. Um, and also then we're going to a brand new place for us, which is called The Space Between, which is um, actually a yoga studio uh, on Venian okay. Street near Pierce Street. But they also um, are kind of opening it up to kind of, I suppose, experimental, some kind of music things as well as... Um, like kind of philosophical talks and discussions. So they kind of want to make use of the space. It's a really beautiful space. Okay. And um, so we thought that for some parts of the program that would actually really suit this kind of spacious, chilled out thing. Also, we also have to consider space because everybody when we're recording has to be two meters apart. 
So <laughs> how, how it's going to work, I don't know. Yeah, it just becomes like, okay, well, we can't obviously squeeze into a normal stage. So even in Camden, one of the acts will be a 10-piece band, a Cuban, um, Afro-Cuban band, who are amazing, called Havana Che. Um, but that is going to be a challenge. Like, we're, you know, even like things like the health and safety plans, like which we normally wouldn't do for a regular gig. It's not like a, a festival where you have to have your whatever EMP. Mm. Um, but for this, we will actually have to even just like how people use the toilets so you're not you know, too close together. It's like a one of a time system or when people will arrive, we're probably gonna have to mark on the floor where people will stand. Yeah. Um, and it's just going to be a bit strange, but it just requires like a whole other level of planning. Uh, and then of course, the most important aspect being the videography, because without the videographer getting all the right shots, we don't have a gig. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. so normally the videographer is like, okay, well you just do your thing, you know, whatever the music is the main focus, but and obviously the music is the main focus, but uh, we have to make sure that she can get everything that we need because that's our end result. That's how our audience are going to see this. So yeah, uh, it's just a different way of thinking, um, which we're trying to get used to. But no, I'm excited. I mean, we'll be announcing it next week around 18th of June mm. and it'll be happening basically instead of happening on one day, we'll be spreading it over two weeks at the end of July uh, because I think audiences maybe or, you know, like with a festival, you kind of happily be at the festival for eight hours. Yeah, yeah. Never just kind of wandering around. But you're not going to sit in front of your laptop for eight hours watching anything. No, no. <laughs> uh, so. Unless, you know, it's some sort of series that you're addicted to. But, like, it's just a different thing. So I think uh, little snippets you know, every day, if we have 20 or 30 minutes of something that's hotter than July related going yeah. out over 10 days or two weeks. I'm sure there's other festivals similar that have done, you know, similar things that have had to you know change the way they um they usually operate over the past few weeks that you could look up on yeah. one guy, we were talking to the guys in Grooveyard as well mm-hmm. and um they was is river fest i think in limerick which is you know a huge festival during the year during the uh, every single calendar year mm-hmm. and they streamed it online a lot of the elements of that so it'd be one to look at as well to get some okay. inspiration yeah because there is i think now people are maybe coming to accept I think at first people were just cancelling and hoping that it will be over and done with but now it's like okay well let's try and do something like fringe festival just announced that they're going to have a different type of fringe but that will be happening in september um the dublin fringe or edinburgh? dublin fringe yeah okay so you did you had experience in edinburgh fringe yourself didn't you yeah that was actually um one of my first festival jobs. Really? Uh, I worked... Um, it's meant to be uh, something else. I've never been over there. I've only yeah, read it's, up I mean, on it. Yeah, it's the biggest arts festival in the world. Um, yeah. I worked there just for two... I lived in Edinburgh for a year and a half after college and I worked for two summers. Uh, once in the like as in the admin, like in the office, and once as box office manager for the university venues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's incredible. Like, it's just huge and like the book the program is like this thick of like <laughs> so many things on yeah. uh so it was yeah, a bit of a baptism of fire um but then everything else kind of seems manageable after that i suppose mm. yeah it was it was a great one to get your and also it's good because you know how it is in ireland if you go off and do something elsewhere and then come back it's more impressive yeah <laughs> you've done well, something abroad. <laughs> you also you bring something from somewhere else back to the yeah. country so it's, it obviously helps um just regards to the the jazz scene like i know it's um over the past couple of years it just seems to be getting more popular and 
like you look at you look at the Cork Jazz Festival, for instance, which now Guinness are spreading, you know, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Does Dublin have the capacity to throw a festival like that, or like I think JJ Smith's in town? That's like a, they do sessions, um, jazz sessions all the time, don't they? Well, they used to, but they actually are they closing? Down. Have uh, they? They shut down maybe God, I don't know, a few years ago now. And okay. then sadly, Brian Smith, who was running a place, passed away kind of suddenly, oh, uh, which okay. is like a huge loss to the the jazz community. But yeah, they were great because like, that was a family-run place, um, and Brian just absolutely loved jazz. So even if it wasn't financially the best investment for him to be having jazz gigs upstairs, he still just loved it so much, um, and created a nice atmosphere. That kind of everybody would go and play their gigs there. So since then, um, I mean, Arthur's on, what's that street? Thomas Street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't been out and around so long. Uh, has been really good, actually, um, for as a putting on like jazz and blues gigs. Um, but like, it, it's, you, yeah, we don't, really, we don't have a proper venue, as, as you know. Um, so you that look, at, you look at a place me. like Arthur's, will they, you know, do you think they'll survive? Because a lot of the, I know a lot of the, hospitality industry are going to struggle to get back to the way it was well this is the problem so we like um imc have a monthly session there called the signal series which is uh, like a double header of, of irish jazz acts okay and so that obviously was cancelled then for the last few months and we were hoping then to go back on in september uh, to see if we could just even try to put it on and reduce capacity but i don't know if Arthur's will be opening, like Arthur's is very dependent on tourism. Uh, mm. They have, you know, the downstairs bar and they have, they serve food and it's all about people who go to the Guinness storehouse, basically come there afterwards. Okay. So that's how they make their money. And then the gigs upstairs, they, you know, it's great to have, and I'm sure they make a bit of money from it, but it's not their bread and butter. Um, yeah. So, I think for them, they'll have to kind of wait till the tourism comes back before they open for gigs again. Yeah. And we don't really know when the tourism can come back. Not, no. not this year, I don't think. I think it will be January really before we expect to see any Yeah, I would worry for, for some of them because, you know, a lot of them were literally just doing their thing to, to get by before this hit. So yeah. if they have any additional rates and just even the staff, like having to, you know, maybe reevaluate their careers or... You know, it'll be hard just to build back up a bit a business for, from scratch yeah. when you're barely scraping through. That's the thing, because there's some bars and restaurants that are very much local business. Um, and hopefully once this settles by the end of the summer, they'll be able to, I don't know, at least have maybe 60% of their previous sort of income back by, you know, they'll have to space things out or they'll have to change the rules. But at least the local people will be dying to go out where possible but mm. if you're dependent on tourism which you know some a lot of places are uh that's going to be a big problem particularly like you know like little villages in the west of ireland or whatever that just don't have a big population locally but will be packed in summer um yeah. you know dublin city center is a different thing there's a lot of people living here who have well who normally have money to go out and eat and drink but again that's it all is interconnected and affects each other so yeah it's really hard to predict really how you know people say we might just whatever bounce back uh economically but there's just everything seems to be connected to another way that if that doesn't work out then this thing doesn't work out then these yeah. people 
don't have jobs and these more people need to be signed on and then that takes more money away from the government to invest in something else, you know yeah i thought I've, i'm thinking the same myself i you know there always just seems to be a knock-on effect there somewhere when i'm trying to figure <laughs> things out for my own stuff um have you changed the way you do things i suppose i know you your job with the amc is mainly marketing based um would i be right in saying that um, well, actually, but I I suppose I'm kind of half and half. Um, I started off as publicist okay. and now I'm marketing director and uh, Katrina, my colleague, does a lot of the PR and social media. And I do now more creative producer work. So okay. it's like producing and programming various projects and stuff at IMC. But I am also marketing director, so I kind of do a bit of both. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you have to, I suppose. And have you have you had to change any, I know, like obviously the majority of your marketing, let's say, your um, the ways you go about it, let's say, would be all online at the moment. Mm. Is that Has that changed or is that something you've, you've had well, in place? I mean, that's kind of the way I've gone the last few years anyway. Mm. But say something like Hotter Than July, we normally would have done a big marketing campaign like we'd have 60 by 40 billboards and you know flyers and posters and all that sort of stuff so okay. we're not doing that this year because mm. it just feels like there's no point um so everything for that is online but like say for the last few years with a lot of our smaller gigs we kind of found that online in, like investing online and doing some facebook ads and you know just creating good content was just as or if not more effective than flyers or posters yeah i, I always think you're not wasting paper and all that sort of thing so yeah it's it nearly decorates the uh the city's landscape though the different posters and gigs that you know yeah. uh coming up but i've I always wondered how they actually that effective you know few weeks uh, walking around and seeing the billboards that had like stuff that was in march and april that obviously never happened and they're just left yeah. languishing on the billboards yeah. but they've taken them all down now actually and they're all just empty the really what's the name of that company again this, yeah so they're just but yeah it does but it's very hard like they, they basically can tell you the footfall of the amount of people that pass that billboard but it's very hard to know I and mean, we can do surveys and say where did you find out about the festival and they might say oh post. we usually there's like a person will hear about an event like 10 different times maybe before they buy a ticket. Okay. And that could be that out of the corner of their eye, they see a poster or it could be their friend saying something about it or like while they're scrolling through Instagram, they see something. But like it gets harder and harder to get through to people now because there's so much stimulation. Okay, so... It, you know, with, if you think about 20 years ago, it was literally just posters and newspaper. Yeah, yeah. With Whereas like, you know, I doubt there was much... Um, like traffic calculation even being taken into account, you know, as mm. like what, in regards to budget, what sort of numbers are you talking about for these fear, fear marketing, like for hotter than July, let's say, do mm. you split it? Do you split it 50, 50 online offline or is it, it's obviously more expensive to be marketing, you know, in the, uh, in the pub, like, yeah, extra, like offline, let's say, mm. than, um, than it would be to market online. Yeah, to, get, to um, get the same numbers, it's it's way more expensive. Like a you know a, a big kind of sixty by forty is what we're calling them. Not a full billboard, but kind of a yeah bigger ones. You know, a campaign of that you'd be probably spending fifteen hundred to two thousand or something like that. Okay. Now, it kind of like it, it's not great in my opinion for information, but it's good for just. Uh, a little bit awareness. of impact off 
Yeah, brand awareness, exactly. Yeah. So remembering a name. But like, I don't think there's any point in putting too much detail. But if you have like a good, say Hotter Than July, so that's the only one at this stage that we would do big posters for. I also work with Bram Stoker Festival um, and we, as a freelancer, and we do a lot of um, big outdoor campaigns for that. But again, that's just brand awareness. And then people are remind, reminded, oh, it's almost that time of year again. Yeah. Because, you know, it's coming into that month. But you really focus online because that is where people are looking most these days. They're not looking in their daily newspaper of like, oh, what will I do this weekend? Yeah. They're just on, on social media and that's where they absorb everything. So. Heads down, yeah. If, so say if I was a promoter, if I was a, um, you know, I wanted to try an event and look at advertising, I suppose, on these billboard spaces, where, where do you go through yourself? And, and how does it work? Like, how do, how do they, like, do they give you a week or a month? Or it's obviously... Um, yeah, you, can, you book it by week. I'm just... I feel awful. I, IPA, yes. No, is it? Yeah. Uh, sorry, my brain has just gone of who it is that I book it with. So, yeah, I think it is IPA, uh, Irish poster. And they look uh, after everything. You just send them the designs. and Yeah, so you'd um, obviously have the design uh, done up and you book it in and it's basically how many sites you want. So you can have you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 sites around the city. Um, and a week or four weeks or whatever you can afford but it, it goes by the number of sites and the number of weeks and it okay so you, you said like your 60 by 40 campaign is that like one 60 by 40 would be between 1502 grand or the like the 20 locations would come in under that yeah or the 20 locations yeah, yeah i'm talking about like a small campaign for that yeah yeah okay. so you, you don't have the option of just putting one <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think so you, the minimum amount that you can put up is 20, 20 seconds. So you would really want to be, you know, focusing your focusing your budget online for selling tickets and then just your brand awareness, I suppose, would be the best um, with city, yeah. city print. So, yeah, just w- then with your uh, your marketing, um, you know, what what's – what do you use is there any programs or like software or stuff you use um or what's your most say for, for any event what's your your uh your plan look like going into it what do you, you you hit facebook what sort of software are you using like digital marketing software are you using to create your ads or if you even do any of you to outsource all that i um I, I mean to be honest i wouldn't really say we use a lot of apps or, or, or different software mm-hmm. um i mean i'd make a lot of stuff just in like photoshop or pixelmator like mm-hmm. graphics what i normally would do is um get a good designer to do obviously the, the main design and then also ask for the assets the basic assets okay. so that then you can if needs be create a version for whatever so even if it's like a notice saying uh you know an update basically about it. You can still kind of do it w- within the brand or if you want to do a header for something that you haven't gotten in your, in your package. Um, video content is also really important and something that we've been doing a lot more of. Um, and yeah, my colleagues, Katrina and Ken have been like brilliant at that. They've really upped skills hugely in it. Mm-hmm. Um, like we would hire say, somebody to do a, like a promo video, but often little videos we found make huge impact even just clipping 20 seconds worth of live performance um it's just a way to engage people these days uh but also everyone's attention span is so short so but yeah. we do a lot of video content we've also started in the last yeah. year or two doing um making use for our website as uh for interviews 
So we do like Q&As with every artist that is playing uh, or often with different people in the jazz scene just to get kind of their, their feet and thoughts. But, but now basically we don't do a gig without having a chat with the musician about who they are, where they come from, their inspirations, you know, that sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, and that's normally written. We have done a few video ones as well. Um, but that stuff gets good traction because it is good content. And it's kind of like in the past, you'd be sending out press releases to the media hoping to get interviews. But as there's less and less music media, now it's like, well, just make become your own publication. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, even in the Irish Times, it's like there's the chances of getting an interview or even on radio because I suppose there's less space as well for the more experimental art forms. Um, so we kind of have to just find your own ways. Yeah. And also there's you know, great support amongst the music community, um, particularly in the last few years, of giving each other plugs and support, um, which I think really helps. Like we've done a lot of collaborations over the last few years with different organisations like FMC or Music Network or Bray Jazz Festival, all these sort of things. So Kaleidoscope, we're happy to promote and plug them and then vice versa. Um, which I think you know is great for the audiences because you can find out about new things. Yeah, yeah, I'm very passionate about that myself. To be honest, I I think it's uh, you're better to be working with people than you know trying to yeah just prove to everyone you're the best and killing off others. So I I do yeah, much I think prefer. No I like the way you think. Yeah, it's like it's a collaborative world, and like the more the better. Mm. Um, yeah, we really changed that in a few years ago. So in the IMC newsletter and on the website um, making a point of that basically half the content is other people's stuff because okay. we do okay we are a promoter and we want to sell tickets to our gigs and all that sort of stuff but we also want the jazz scene and the improvised music scene to grow and get stronger so if we are informing people about other jazz gigs and other festivals and that sort of stuff it's only actually benefits us in the long term because more people go to jazz and experience it and then more people go to jazz <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, like it, it works out for everybody really yeah well i do hope um the scene gets back to where it should be and i hope you hope hotter than july goes well for you um whatever way what what with the way you, you plan on on promoting it this year um and I, hopefully I'll, I'll be able to cross your path again sometime soon when we're back to normal yeah thanks thanks so much for coming out again yeah, today definitely. Um, I really appreciate your time and thanks very much. We'll stay in touch. Brilliant. Okay. Thanks, Owen. Bye. 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 Bye.